what we're talking about with multitasking is this idea of task switching. Mm-hmm. And when we switch from, oh, you know, I'm going to work on this project and oops, now I need to talk to Leanne and, oh, I got a phone call and now I'm over here. That takes a certain amount of energy and we get drained. Hi, it's Leanne Mallory, and you've tuned in to Reimagine Leadership, a limited series podcast created by Rise Leaders Radio. The idea of this series is to explore various elements of a leadership program I developed for the Girl Scouts of Northeast Texas. In this series, I cover things from, you know, why we did the program and how the program helps achieve the organization's mission and vision, how we selected participants, and then we've got five episodes that are really focused on content. And so if you want to listen to more of those, you can, wherever you're listening to this, you can listen to the other episodes there as well, and you can also look at my website. In my view, No leadership program is complete without talking about how we navigate all the demands on our energy, attention, and time, and also how to help people focus on life and work fulfillment is a top priority for me. Dr. Chris Johnson is the author of The Leadership Pause, Sharpen Your Attention, deepen your presence, and navigate the future. She's a psychologist, an executive coach, and very happily, she is also my friend and colleague. It's also Chris's third time to be on this podcast. I've got a multi-page PDF download that you can access in the show notes, and it's going to get into much more tactics and things that we won't really dig into in the podcast today. So be sure and look in the show notes for that. And Chris and I are going to be talking about various references that we use and the links to all of those references will be in the show notes as well. I sure hope you enjoy your time with us and that you take away some actionable ideas. And now over to Chris. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Leanne. It's lovely to be with you and I am great today. Sunny here in Chicago, all is well. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, I told you we're in Dallas here, and so we're melting, but not melting as quickly as some of the other parts of the country, believe it or not. So congratulations again on the leadership pause. I have referred your book to many people. Mm -hmm. I find it so helpful, so pragmatic and practical and yet with a lot of depth as well. So really, congratulations. That's a huge, huge piece of work. Yeah, thanks, Leanne. It it actually was. <laughs> it was, and it was, you learn a lot when you write a book. More than you bargained for, I dare say many authors might feel that way. <laughs> um, but it was just the year anniversary last week. So it's really timely that you invited me to come and have a conversation with you. So thanks so much. And I really appreciate you recommending the book to others. So Oh, absolutely. So as I was I laying out the content for this podcast, I knew that this content was really important. And even though your book is not about, you know, how, how we navigate the demands of energy, attention, and time, it's not solely about that. But that oh. is definitely a thread 
that yeah. runs through the book, in my view. And as you hear me say that, it do I did I get that right? Is is, is that really a thread, or was I just reading in a certain way? No, you are absolutely right. And that is why the leadership pause, the leadership pause, sharpen your attention. And <laughs> right. it, it like that's the first little bit of after, you know, the colon of the title. And it does go through the book because I would, and I say this in the book, is that until we actually pause, pause is like the linchpin that allows us to notice where our attention is or isn't. And then everything else that we do in terms of the decisions we make, the connections that we have, the conversations, the ultimate choices about life and business, all of it, I say, comes from this very pivotal, simple, but powerful pause. Mm -hmm. I agree. And um, you're reminding me that when we do the work around leading above, you know, below the line and above the line and the empowerment dynamic and how to move from drama to empowerment, that we don't make those shifts without taking a pause. Yeah, no, we just really don't. So it's a great kind of generative practice pause, which mm -hmm. means it could be tiny little bit of a pause in a moment or a breath or a really long extended pause to reflect on strategy for the next year if you're leading an organization or strategy for your life and what you want to be up to. So yeah, it's mm -hmm. really essential. And when we, it's just too easy to get caught up in being busy and really having our attentions kind of, I speak about this too, like confetti, like, oh, I'm over here. I'm over here. Uh -huh. Like squirrel, like, oh, squirrel, squirrel. we're over right. here, right? That whole thing. Yeah, that. Yeah. And it, just the awareness, having the awareness to know that we're off. Yeah. So we're, we're going to get into some tactics, I think, today, but just kind of the, some of the different elements or perspectives of, you know, how we can sharpen our ability to, to pay more attention, to focus more, uh, especially on the things that matter the most. What's really important to me, and I think it's important to you as well, is this kind of stepping back and broadening the context from the way that we used to talk about time management and productivity and gaining more efficiencies and, you know, cramming as, you know, like how can we get more done in a day? And I'm not saying that those things are bad. You know, we want elements of everything, you know, because for most of us, we do have, I'll just speak for myself, I have some additional noise in the system that definitely it, when I remove that, I'm more focused and the work flows. And so, you know, there may be some tactics and efficiencies, workflow efficiencies and things that I do to gain that. But what really matters for me is the broader context of am I leading a fulfilling and meaningful life personally and professionally? I mean, what I just said can sound like it's a personal thing, but we're working typically because there's something important to us that we want to help make happen. We're, we're contributing to something larger. And if we lose that as well, 
we can just spin out in doing tasks and to-dos and answering emails and slacks and teams, chats, and all of that, and forget the larger context. So that is huge for me. And I think it is for you too. So just want to totally. stop blabbing there and see what you have to add to that. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with you. You know, it was probably five, it was pre-pandemic, uh, five or so years ago, I went to Wisdom 2.0. And at that time, I was some of the folks who in technology who are really behind the current technology that is distracting us, right? Mm -hmm. They were talking about how the algorithms are designed to keep us distracted on particular sites to purchase things. And they're not really designed to help us settle into ourselves or to what's important. And so our brains do get a dopamine hit every time. Like, oh, that's interesting. I'll go buy those red shoes that I thought I wanted. Or, you know, there's another book in my queue. I'd probably have to have it today, yeah. tomorrow. And in fact, no, not so much, but it's really seductive to get caught up in all of that. And so that bit that comes at you or me or any of our listeners here today, it comes at us personally, is against the backdrop of some of the stats I talk about in my book. Like, did you know this? Like in 2000, like this I, was amazing when I was doing the research. And some people who are in technology probably knew this, but many of us did not. Seven, Apple introduced the iPhone. And by 2011, with the rise of big data, as Americans anyway, we took in five times more information. Like it was coming in at us. And it's the equivalent of 174 staffed newspapers. We're getting that every day. Mm -hmm. And because we can only process at about 120 bits per second, it's like there's just this coming in all the time. Yeah. And there's no way we can digest all of it. So what that means is we either get seduced and hooked we learn how to totally shut it off, which none of us can afford to really do, or we would not be able to mm -hmm. function. So what do we do in between? So I love, I love the title of my book, but I love what you said in the introduction, which is really, how do we navigate all of this? How do we, mm. how do we come to this with some freshness that's like, well, I can't shut it down. I don't want to be overwhelmed. What's in the middle? Mm -hmm. How do we work there? So that, those are kind of my initial thoughts. What do you think? I agree. And, you know, one of the things that I thought today is we could even just, if nothing else, just reference some of the people at this point in time. I think that the the movie, The Social Dilemma, the documentary came out a few years ago and Tristan Harris was doing a lot of the research. He was formerly with Google. And these are mighty forces they that are. we are contending with. And so right. it could be easy to say, just don't pay attention to that. But it's really hard not to. And so we have to really just be super aware and, you know, mindful of how much time that we're giving to yeah. these other things. Because I, I mean, and I am just as guilty as anyone else. Open up my phone. I'll open up my phone for one thing. And I have type 1 diabetes. And so I'll open my phone to check my blood sugar. And I'm on Instagram and I forgot to check my blood sugar and 30 <laughs> minutes has gone by. You know? <laughs> and so even, even when we know it's, you know, the forces are, are there. 
And so we have this constant distraction. We have a ton more information coming in. And I like information. I consume a lot of information, but it's too much. You know, like I'm, it, it is just too much for me to integrate and really to do something with. So just learning to manage that. In your in the in the opening chapter of your book, you cite some statistics of like how many times the average worker gets interrupted in a day. So just go through some of those statistics. So with all that incoming and these statistics, now the book has been a year, it was a year in the making, so they might be even a little dated today, but we're interrupted on average seven times an hour. Seven times an hour. So in your average day, that's 56 interruptions. And they come in lots of forms. Like we have email coming in. We might get text messages. Um, we might get some calls. And what the folks in this piece that I cite here are talking about, 80% of all that is considered trivial. So it's mm-hmm. like, like if it's trivial, that means I don't really have to pay attention. Um, it's not really useful to the task at hand or the concern I have or the project that I'm working on. And so what we end up doing net net is we waste slightly over two hours a day just with the, how do you say, like the side effects of Mm. our technology, right? Um, Tristan Harris is the one that I heard at Wisdom 2.0. And he had some ideas about what we can do. um, And we could chat a little bit about some of those. But if you think about, so two hours a day, times five days a week. That's 10 hours a week that we're wasting. So that's 40 hours a month. So that's the equivalent of like, I don't know, almost four days, a little more than four days, maybe five days of of time. And see, you just had a big sigh. It's like, whoa, that just makes me tired thinking about it and wasting all the time being distracted. So without being aware. So part of sharpening your attention and part of why I wrote the pause, I say this in the book, I've said it here with you. I needed to read the bloody thing because I too am susceptible, just like everybody else. We're swimming in this sort of information overload. And so we mm. end up kind of hovering, trying to notice what's it, what, what really is important. And we waste a lot of energy. There's a lot of leaks when we do that. It has a cost in terms of our you know, GDP and all of that here. But more so, it has an energetic cost to who we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. And um, I needed to read it. That's why I wrote it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that you, you know, right out of the the gate, Chris, you talk about multitasking. Yeah. And I actually still hear people say, I'm a great multitasker. And I don't think that that you, you know, you and I were speaking about this earlier. That like I don't think I ever put on my resume, you know, one of my skill sets is that I'm a great multitasker. But that used to be something to be proud of, and I've actually heard managers say, you know, I'm looking for someone who can really multitask. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say, yeah. no, we don't want to be multitasking. So no. there is a a cost to that, and. And why don't you explain too, like that multitasking is a myth, even there's well, it's really, we don't even do it. Yeah. Yeah. It is a myth. It was something that many people proudly put on their resumes. But what we now know uh, from all the neuroscience research is that 
it taps out the glucose in our brains. Multitasking is a computer-derived term. We are not computers. We do not think computers do one thing at a time super duper fast. And we're <laughs> just like not wired that way. We do need to learn from computers to do one thing at a time, but we're not going to do them super duper fast. And our energy, what we're talking about with multitasking is this idea of task switching. Mm-hmm. And when we switch from, oh, you know, I'm going to work on this project and oops, now I need to talk to Leanne and, oh, I got a phone call and now I'm over here. That takes a certain amount of energy and we get drained. So that's where time and energy, one of the intersections between them, because if we're constantly having an energy drain, it's going to be less easy to pay attention, which makes us more susceptible to staying on Amazon or buying those red shoes or wherever yeah. you're going, right? I mean, it's so it's a vicious cycle if we don't intentionally choose to like, I'm going to say pause, mm-hmm. notice where our attention is at because maybe it is all over the place. And I can say to you, I notice, of course, since Wisdom 2.0, now I too am more aware, but I have noticed, like I have to really be careful and put my phone away in the evenings for at least a while because I notice the impact of my attention is a little bit more degraded than it was. Mm-hmm. And so what I've taken to doing personally is setting aside my phone where I don't do anything. Don't go on a walk with it, you know, get outside in nature, do engage in activities that are going to renew some energy. Mm-hmm before I come back. And I don't do it perfectly, but I have noticed if I don't, I feel more tired. You know, I can get more in an emotional twist about stuff than I would like to. So there's something there that we really want to be paying attention to for sure. Yeah. So I want to call out that you, you just listed some tactics just, just now. So, you know, when we say, well, what do we do? So I think like multitasking and distraction are really, they're not the same thing, but they're really closely tied. They're like cousins. They're, yeah. they, I think they're kissing cousins. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so putting your phone away and, you know, and some people will say even like only allowing yourself a certain amount of time on social media, because like you're saying, energy and our attention is being drawn down and degraded, as you said, as we're having this continuous partial attention on several different things. It takes a lot of energy. Our brain is a big glucose hog. And and I don't think that, yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't think that we want to get in the habit of like eating more glucose so we can feed our brain. And it doesn't work that way anyway. Right. So putting your phone away, And doing other things like being really intentional. So if we go back to, as we were talking about, you know, the context, you know, if we have a larger context in our life, like what do I want to contribute? And when I marry, uh, we were talking earlier about Oliver Berkman, you and I both really have gained a lot from Oliver Berkman's book, 4,000 Weeks. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But you know, combining Oliver Berkman's, you know, the great teachings in that book with also James Clear and Atomic Habits, 
where he really introduced me in that book to, you know, what he says, what he pays attention to is who is the person that I want to be? Yes. And what is the impact that I want to make? Yes. And again, that's a big overarching concept. But if we have that front and center, Mm -hmm. and then we can say, well, how is this surfing, you know, or scrolling contributing to that? Yeah. And I think that we often start, you know, get onto social media because we're taking a break. You know, we, we want to take a break. Yeah. I, I think at least that's what we tell ourselves. That's, that's what we tell ourselves. And we think, oh, I just want to, you know, get on Facebook real quick and check in with my family, see how's every, everyone's doing. And that's great, but Mm -hmm. that it it doesn't typically end there. Then we kind of go into this black hole. And I think this is my case anyway. And I think it's the case for a lot of people that if I were to, when I'm finished scrolling Mm -hmm. and the hour has passed by, if (laughs) I ask myself, honestly, and truly answer, do I feel regenerated? Do I feel refreshed and renewed? Do I feel better? Was that a good use of my time? Did it work? Did my strategy of, you know, I just need some downtime and I'll get renewed. That's not for me how to, that doesn't do it. And and I don't think it does it for most people either. Right. Well, you know, you mentioned Oliver Berkman. Uh-huh. Everybody listening here should go hang out and read that book or listen <laughs> yep, to it. For sure. You know, one of the things that captured me about what he very humorously articulates is in the time before clocks, like in the kind of middle of or around about 1775, right? Before then, as human beings, we were much more attuned to the rhythms of mm-hmm. life. So we got up with the sun, we went to bed. When the sun went down, there was a certain sort of rhythmic way that our bodies as animals were tuned into. And I think largely we've lost that unless we're very, very intentional. So when I think I'm going to take a break with my phone and scroll through something just for 10 minutes and then it's 30 and before you know it, it's an hour, your question's great to ask because do I feel renewed? Probably not mostly, but if I were to take a walk, if I were to get up and literally move my body, if I were to go Mm. sit out on the patio or wherever one sits to get some sun, where I'm a little bit more, my body is getting some regeneration and vitamin D from the sun. That's where we're going to get some rejuvenation and renewal. And I think it's very seductive. I'm seduced as well, but very seductive. And we use a lot of rationale to say, oh, this will be okay. But I don't think we're very good observers sometimes of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we convince ourselves that these things should work. So therefore they will work. So I keep doing them in the face of actually when I'm on the computer all day or on my devices, I'm actually really tired at the end yeah. of the day. Right. I don't think we listen to that. I think we override it a lot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And when we do that, you know, I was also thinking when you were asking if anybody watches the news or TV or something, you'll see all these uh, commercials for, I don't know, Nareva and things like that that are to enhance memory as we get older and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, wash. I don't need to spend money to do that. I just need to stay off of my devices so much because 
when we're on them, they degrade our memory. We don't have as much capacity. We make more mistakes when we're multitasking after we've been on. It actually reduces our IQ and our EQ. Uh-huh. All we need, to, it doesn't cost anything to put the bloody thing down. Yep. And we didn't mention as we were talking about task switching that when we get interrupted, it takes mm-hmm. 20, 25 minutes for us yeah. to get back on task. So we don't just like have the interruption and then go right back to work. And so Correct. I know that you mentioned this in your book and yeah. like using like the Pomodoro technique. Yeah. Um, and so another tactic is really committing to a period of time. Yeah. And shutting down all, you know, putting the devices away, shutting down your notifications, which is another great tactic because yep. every time a notification comes up, it grabs our attention and we look the other way. And then we have to come back to what we were doing. Even if yeah. it's a nanosecond, it it interrupts that flow. I don't think we can get in flow at all. And really yeah. do that deep, creative work unless we are undistracted. I think that's right. And actually mentioning the Pomodoro uh, technique, for those who don't know, it was a really simple technique devised by a college student at the time where he would use a timer in the form of a tomato, which is Pomodoro apparently in Italian. And uh, set a timer for 25 minutes, take a 15-minute break, get up and move and start again. I used that technique when I wrote the book because Uh one of the things that it does, something like that, is it bookends our time and it bookends our attention. So marrying that with, I'm going to shut off my notification. So now it's like free and clear, like, oh, here we go. We can, now I can focus. And it was a super helpful thing to do. There was an article written about 10 years ago. It showed up in the New York Times. It's called No Time to Think. And the writer of that, Kate Murphy, talked about, you know, like was really curious about like why we're always in our phones and in our devices. And she talked to psychologists who did a bunch of uh, research around this. And the net result was that our capacity to be alone with our own thinking. You're talking about doing deep work, but mm-hmm. some of us aren't as inclined to doing deep work because their, her research that she reported on is most of us have an outside capacity of about 15 minutes to be left with our own mind. And we, and we start to create ways to distract. Mm-hmm. And so the piece that struck me about that was A, the 15 minutes tops, and B, The reason that she concluded, and I tend to agree with her, she concluded that because of how we're uh, wired, so to speak, as biological beings, we tend to look for all the stuff that isn't working. Um, And we start to think about like, you know, now I'm wondering about my relationship with Leanne and she made that comment and now I'm really nervous or how's the state of my portfolio? And we start to look for things that aren't going well because Mm. we want to be effective. We want to add value. We want to be able to say that something's important. And so we look for it by looking for what's not great. Uh So we then can fill in the gaps and we can problem solve instead of, oh, well, what if I just got comfortable hanging out in there with myself and watching thoughts go by? Because thoughts are not necessarily true because we have them 
They're part of <laughs> the perception. God. Thank God, right? I mean, they come up, there's like a constant flow of thoughts all day long and we can start to step back and observe them. And some of them are worth paying attention to. A lot of it's just drivel and, you know, goes right through. So if, and that's where the pause comes in. Because if I can mm-hmm. pause long enough to like just notice thoughts, notice where I get distracted, notice to your point, what's really important here? What do mm-hmm. I care about? And what is the difference I really want to make? Who do I want to be? Those questions are a little scary for some of us. Because mm-hmm. maybe I don't know, or yeah. I, I think it's too big, or I'm uncomfortable, right? You're, so. you're reminding me of that. There's a quote in your book about something about, uh, tell me to what you pay attention. Do you have yeah. that quote handy? I do. I love this quote. So this is the, right as I'm talking about the pause in chapter two, this is how Jose Ortega y Gastat, he's a Spanish philosopher. This is great quote. Tell me to what you pay attention and I will tell you who you are. Uh-huh. Tell me to what you pay attention and I will tell you who you are. Very powerful. It's, Very powerful. I, I just, I, I got chills the first time I read that and I just yeah. got chills again. And I think it is, um, it is appropriate in all aspects of life. You know, how do I pay attention to my community, to my family, to, you know, to, to my coworkers, the people who I've made commitments to. Right. It's all, uh, or, or am I, uh, focusing on distractions? You know, am I letting my, my mind get carried away, which is reminding me too, Chris, uh, we were having a conversation earlier as well as about how, how easily, not just we can get distracted by like social media, which we talked about, but things that we can take care of quickly. So you were talking about, you know, like our mind searches for problems that we can solve, or are there any gaps out there? And I was just in a in a conversation mm-hmm. yesterday with a group of people and the, a woman who's a CTO was mm-hmm. talking about how she was getting caught writing code. <laughs> and, you know, she is a CTO, you know, mm-hmm. she is not to, supposed to be like writing code. code. Her value is strategic. Yeah. And the, uh, another person in our meeting said, well, you know what? I kind of like writing code too. And he's uh, a CEO of his company. And there is this draw, I think this kind of dopamine hit when we mm-hmm. can really answer something quickly. Mm-hmm. We can get it done and we can close that loop and we can put our stamp on it that we did it. It feels mm-hmm. good. And yeah. yet, like in her case, that's not where her value is, is right. writing code that, you know, someone contacted her on Slack and says, you know, we have this problem and she gets in there and, and solves it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's another thing is like people asking us questions and we go, oh, I know how to do that. And we go in and do it because it feels good at the time. There's some dopamine that we get from that. Right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I was chatting with the healthcare executives just a couple of days ago, and we were talking about the stress in the larger umbrella of healthcare and well-being. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave an example about some doctors and nurses and healthcare folks 
who are working 10 and 12 and 14 hours a day, and they're really being busy and they're doing all the busy stuff. And maybe they're writing code too, or maybe they're operating. I don't know. But, but what's happening is that they're busy, busy, busy. So they feel like they're accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. But A, are they really accomplishing maybe what's strategically in the organization? But B, they feel valued, right? And so this whole thing about Kate Murphy that I just mentioned about no time to think, like if I slow down and I really can hang out here with myself and notice distractions, but not get caught by them, Am I offering value? Like, who am I as a leader, as a human being? Are my behaviors in sync and congruent with what I say I value? Or am I just doing busy work to do busy work so I feel mm -hmm. really good? Um, but maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm incongruent and out of integrity with what I say I really care about. So there's a lot of opportunity here for us to to step back and get aligned so that as you started out today, you talked about wanting to live your best life. And I, I dare say most of us would say, yeah, of course I want to live my mm -hmm. best life. But what is that for each and every one of us? And are we giving ourselves, are we taking the time and the intention and our energy to really get clear about this is what's important this is how I know I'm on purpose. How do I start to say yes to what I need to say yes to and no to what I need to say no mm -hmm. to? And I will never, and you will never do that if we, you don't pause and start to notice like where we're getting distracted. It just won't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so much there. And uh, one of the things that I'm reminded of in our conversation here is that we can think of like time management, productivity, all, all of these things, uh, navigating the demands yeah. as all you have to do is X. But what you just pointed to is that um, there's often something underneath something else that sounds so simple. Yeah. You know, just pause and uh, don't do those things. You know, you're really spinning your wheels. You're in a reactive mode. But when being still and being quiet is yeah. scary, then it makes sense that mm -hmm. we would stay in that reactive kind of hypervigilant mode. And so it's not just a tactic. No. If you have a hard time doing something, you know, it's not sticking. You keep going back to your old ways. I think it's time to really consider what am I getting out of that activity, that reactivity that I keep myself in? There's, it's serving something. That's and, right. and on the other side of that, is there something that I'm not wanting to face? And you talk yeah. a lot about turning, like turning and facing, facing what is, what feels scary instead of staying busy and not facing that. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to do uh, in the sense that I think, you know, the glossy pictures of faraway beaches or really <laughs> beautiful mountain or somebody trekking. These are at least the ones that worked for me. It's like, oh, like that whose list is so, that? It's your oh, list. <laughs> my list. I mean, those kinds of things like, oh, that would be so relaxing. It's so great. And that's what I want. But in the here and now, in my office, I'm not on a beach or a mountain or any of that. And so 
in the moment, there's an opportunity to really lean in. It's like, well, what is really, really important? What really will renew us? What really matters? And you know, we have a very short life. Oliver Berkman taught, I mean, we have a very short life and it's seductive to think, well, we have more time. And the reality is, well, maybe not. Like, so why not chop, chop? Let's do it today. Do it today, meaning fully show up. Fully show up. Fully show up. And that means we have to learn to say no to some things. He makes a great point, Oliver Berkman, about, you know, we're not going to really get to everything. It's just really not going to happen. Yep. And um, he's funny, too. So it was delightful to read because, you know what? He, he mentions in the book, I'll just say this. I was so chuckling to myself when I read this. So now when you start thinking about like kind of first world problems, now, you know, you want to go take Chinese lessons and I want to go to Thailand and I really want to hike the Himalayas and want to visit South America. And it's like, so then we create more stuff to do that's not bad, but then it also takes our attention and then we're running ourselves ragged instead of like maybe sitting on the porch and taking a moment to get some clarity around how how do I want to use this life energy? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I love the title of his book, 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals. Yeah. And 4,000 weeks is roughly the amount of time that we, most humans live. Okay. And so that ends up being somewhere around 77 years, you know, so many people will live longer than that. Many people will not live that long. And so I, when I, when I uh, do this in a workshop and then I say, okay, we have 4,000, let's just say that we have 4,000 weeks. I calculated mine and mine's like, I met like week 3,140. That is sobering. Oh, it's very sobering. And so I just, (laughs) and so I see, okay, these are the weeks that I have left. What do I, what do I want to do with that? And the other point that I make is you will never get everything done, no matter how efficient you are or or how productive you are. There will be more things on your list than you will accomplish. So give it up. Stop (laughs) fighting and thinking, if only I could be more efficient, you know, and I think this is what a lot of the productivity and efficiency hacks. Yeah. We're supposed to make supposed to make us think that we could do is that we could fit all of that in, and we can't. And so that is where we have to start making conscious choices. And Berkman says in his book, and it's not between the things that we want to do and we don't want to do, mm-hmm. saying no to that. But like you said, I I I'd love to you know go to the Himalayas and learn Chinese and all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, even those things, I'm yeah. going to have to make a choice about what that I'm going to be able to do and not to, and just then be clear with it and and just be at peace with, I'm going to choose these things and I'm going to commit to these and I'm going to let these, the other ones go. And, and that there is a sense of relief when we can actually kind of shed all of the things that we think that we could do if we just tried harder. A sense of relief after the initial no, I don't, I'm going to miss out if I do that. And so that little bit of like yeah, struggle, that, yeah. that tension 
And by the way, it's really important to know that that tension is baked in and it's not, there's not something wrong with any of us because we feel that tension. Mm -hmm. It's inherent in being alive today in the 21st century. And so to your point, like, oh yeah, after I get that I'm probably not going to be able to travel to wherever or learn Chinese and I can drop it, then maybe the relief. I think yeah. initially we fight with ourselves a lot. And at least I know I find myself confronted with that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you know, one other thing I wanted to say, can we talk a little bit about energy leaks? Please. Yes. That was a big, that's a big part of your book and what I really think you bring to the table. So yeah, let's hear yeah. it. Where, where do we leak our energy? Well, you know, there's probably as many places to leak energy as uh, there are people, but I think the top three that really seem to, that I see a lot of, and like I said earlier, maybe it's uh, because I struggle with them sometimes myself, but the first one is being at the mercy of other people's expectations. Mm. So we could see this in a large scale in an organization. Maybe they're at the expectations of their shareholders, right? We can mm. see it at that level. We could see it all the way down to, am I at the mercy of the expectations of my, my spouse or my family, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing wrong with having expectations and then negotiating around them, making agreements and commitments. But it's when we're at the mercy, like read unconscious, out of awareness, we haven't paused. So we're reacting to other people's expectations as if they're more important than our felt sense of congruence, what's important to us. Hmm. So closing the leak around other people's expectations is really tuning into like, what are our own? Hmm. What are our own expectations? What really matters to Leanne Mallory? or Chris Johnson or any of the leaders, right? So there's that. And the the second one that I see a lot, I think many of us are guilty of this, and I dare say maybe more women, I'm not sure about this, but being saying yes to too much and we're overcommitted. Because uh, mm -hmm. I think we want to, A, do things we feel like we should. And so we say yes to too many things. We end up canceling. We're staying up all night, depleting our energy. So learning to say no. So the power of the positive no is you yep. and I know, like, how do we, what's the deeper yes, then the no, and then the uh, bigger yes that's external, like that manifests in how we mm -hmm. show up in the world. Um, so that's the second one. And then the third one is just uh, folks going home and worrying, like, you know, how's it all going? Maybe I should do more. Uh, wondering if I've done enough. Mm. That's kind of a chronic, this idea of enoughness. Have I done enough? Am I enough? What will be enough? And so putting that to bed by actively choosing ourselves in the moment and to get going. So this is where some tactics of prioritizing would come in, like mm. for each week or each day, what are the top two or three priorities? And zeroing in on those, because um, we could do all kinds of stuff all day long, but are we doing the right stuff, right? So those are three ways. And when we leak all that energy, it leaks from the brain. So oxygen, glucose gets overused and all the negative things, that negative like health outputs that come mm -hmm. from 
not having good energy start to show up over time, especially as all of us with any luck are continuing to live into our 4,000 weeks. Right, right, right. You know, and Chris, you, you, you named those three energy leaks. And as I was listening, I can start feeling in my body uh-huh. what it feels like when I'm in e- any of those. And there is a little like worry feels different than overcommitment feels uh-huh. different than other people's expectations, you know? Uh-huh. And I think that, and your this is a big uh, body of work for you as well. You know, this mm-hmm. idea of presence and somatics or embodiment and yeah. knowing our clues when we're leaking energy, Absolutely. you know, how, how do we know? And, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I open up my phone sometimes to see what my blood sugar is. And what's fascinating too, is that when I, particularly when I worry, uh-huh. we get more cortisol in our system. Yeah. And sometimes I don't recognize that I'm worried or stressed about something, but my blood sugar will tell me every time. So even though we may not be noticing it, it's registering in our, like our body is, our body knows, and it's having an impact on our body. You said, you know, our, our brain gets emptied of glucose and oxygen, but also the stress hormones Um, that cause inflammation and some of the other diseases, those are high. And then, you know, when I go back to my situation, I can go back and, you know, I look at my phone, I'm like, oh, that my blood sugar is high, but it shouldn't be. Oh, I'm, this is my lack of sleep and worrying showing up. And then Mm -hmm. I start tuning into, oh, and my, I can feel that jittery feeling in my stomach, or I can feel that my uh, jaw is tight. But with all of the energy leaks or maybe all of these things, there's something in our body that also is giving us clues that yeah. is really worthwhile to pay attention to. Absolutely. And so when I was writing the book and you and I share this love of and acknowledgement of the power of embodied awareness, uh, because we're not as a culture necessarily attuned to the practice of tuning into the body Mm -hmm. uh, for the cues and the clues that would let us know that we're off from a biological perspective or that we're off from an emotional perspective or that we're off in the actions that we're taking. So all of us, and again, goes back to this very simple pause. If I pause and note it, oh, I'm feeling that jittery bit inside my stomach, maybe I'd better check my, my sugar levels, Leanne says, right? And so for each of us, if we're willing to start to get curious and learn about our own biological system, we will find that we have things, right? So the, uh, the last week I woke up a couple mornings really early with all this little monkey chatter. I was worrying in my sleep and I wake up and it affects my mood. And I'm like feeling a little wound up had a full night's sleep. So what's this about? So instead of just overriding it or you overriding the stomach, which is what most of us tend to do, we override. If we could just pause there and like, oh, this is a signal of some sort that I need to pay attention to, whether it's blood sugar 
or a little bit of strange, like mm-hmm. I'm a little worried. Those are clues and they're accessible to us when we pause. And then they'll help inform what choices we make, what's really yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want to um, take the the opportunity right now and talk about, you know, we've, we've listed some practice, some kind of tactical things, putting your phones away, mm-hmm. um, focusing, doing daily and weekly focusing where you identify the top three goals, using yeah. the Pomodoro technique, th- those kinds of things. There are also um, what I call meta practices, and you're pointing to some of those now. So the meta practices for well-being and especially our ability to manage our energy and attention, not so much time, but is, um, you know, are we getting enough sleep? You know, are we waking up resourced? Are we eating food that is um moves us forward it doesn't cause inflammation it's a good clean a clean source of energy are we moving you talked about walking around the block and we don't have to do have a big exercise routine but are we moving and yeah. then the final one is breath i'm getting this particular list from the be well lead well pulse uh well-being assessment and as you know when you were talking about we're talking about cues and clues of when we're leaking energy or we may be worried, the breath is so key, you know, especially I was wound up this morning. And so Mm -hmm. as I was doing my meditation practice, I was really focusing on those longer exhales. Yeah. Really good deep inhales and longer Mm -hmm. exhales. So we have some pretty simple things that don't cost a lot of money. If we'll do those, some of those meta practices, yeah. We're more resourced and we show up more able to make the, take the pause and make different decisions if we need to. Absolutely. That is absolutely the case. It's really quite simple. And what, 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 what <laughs> but not easy. No, it's simple, but not easy. And it takes a conscious choice to say, I'm going to get curious and then I'm going to take action here. Mm-hmm. It's easier to somehow pop a pill or complain, or have that extra glass of wine, or whatever it is that we're, you know, buy something, whatever it is that energizes us momentarily, Mm -hmm. but doesn't necessarily help us in the long run. And so, you know, one of the other things I'll just, I'll be brief here is uh, one of the things I've been chatting with people about here uh, on the heels of the pandemic kind of ending and things are shifting and now we're in a whole new world is this notion of decision fatigue. Many leaders are like, oh my gosh, this is a big thing. And so when we have decision fatigue, it's because we've run out of energy. It's like the gas tank is empty, but we're still tasked with making decisions and it just further depletes. So it's not just, you know, corporate leaders that that happens to, it's all of us every day. So yeah. And we want to be making good decisions. Yeah. So yeah. Important. Yeah. Yeah. So much. So Chris, we've, we've have a kind of a big arc and I feel like we've kind of been all over the place and we've talked about some big ideas and we've uh, interspersed some tactics in there and just want to remind yeah. everyone again that uh, the PDFs that I have that you can get by, you know, clicking on the link in the show notes will have a whole list of tactics. I think there's 12 or 13 tactics, the meta practices, and, you know, even ways to look at and identify what kind of 
attention or energy are you in? Are you reactive? Are you distracted? All those kinds of things. And so I, I, I have a, a handouts for that as well. But like I said, this is so key and it's it something is. for, you know, like every, not just leadership program, but any kind of like, the, I just think everybody ought to have access to this kind of information yeah. because it's really key to living uh, a meaningful and fulfilling life and to being more conscious about the choices that we're making about where we're directing our uh, energy and attention. I certainly couldn't have said it better. So, <laughs> uh, and it doesn't really cost us to pay attention with a, a short pause and to come into a different level of awareness. And it doesn't have to, and you don't have to have a meditation uh, process, although you and I do, but we don't have to have that mm. to actually practice all of what you're going to share in your show notes and what I write about in the book. It's really, yeah. really important to leading yeah. a good life. Leading a good life. That's right. Thank you so much, Chris, for, uh, I think you're, uh, you're the first person to be on my podcast for uh, three times. So a three-peat. Oh. Uh, really appreciate. And uh, again, the thoughtfulness and the research that went into your book is really amazing. And I, I hope folks will will pick that up because like I said, it's got the um, energy and attention presence woven through the whole thing. And as you said, you know, the pause is the, is the leverage point. And once you pause, then you can, you can choose to redirect any of that. That's right. That's right. Thanks Leanne for having me on again. Absolutely. Energy attention, it's all important to navigating. So let's okay. go navigate. Yes. Okay. Let's go. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> well, I sure hope you enjoyed this episode. As a reminder, this is part of a Rise Leaders Radio limited series podcast called Reimagine Leadership. There are several additional episodes focused on various aspects of a seven month practice and cohort-based program that I developed for the Girl Scouts of Northeast Texas. I've included links to various topics that we've discussed, and you can find those in the show notes for this episode. Be sure to listen to the last episode in this series, where we'll be reviewing the results of the program, what we learned, and how we're thinking about our next steps. In addition to curating leadership programs like this, I also offer executive coaching and strategic approaches to leadership and team development. Please reach out to me via the contact information on my website at www.rise-leaders.com. And by the way, Rise Leaders Radio is on YouTube now, and this is probably the best way for you to leave comments or engage in a conversation with me regarding this or any of the episodes. And of course, finally, if you found this episode useful or interesting, please share it with others and leave me a nice review. Thank you so much. And remember that you have the power to elevate your part of the world.